You're listening to The Eater World, Season 2 on The Eater Podcast. I'm your host, Crudy, and this season I peek into the world of Eater, discovering the personal stories, motivations, and challenges faced by the scientists, engineers, managers, and more from over 35 nations who together are building one of the most ambitious scientific projects ever attempted right here in the south of France. This international collaboration is a unique force to reckon with for our present and future generations to come. So come and join me in this audio journey. T minus six, five, four, three, two, one. The world saw the first woman in space who orbited Earth in 1963, Valentina Tereshkova from the Soviet Union. Although women took to the skies much, much later than men in other parts of the world, they took even longer to be at the forefront of science. It's 2023 and there are less than 30% of women in the field of STEM, known as science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, even though we make up about 50% of the world's population. However, here in the world of ITER, things are changing. Engineers, scientists, and managers have come together to form a network and community called Women in Fusion, which hopes to encourage women from the inside and out to band together, support each other, and encourage their fellow female comrades to join them in this new frontier of nuclear fusion energy. With this first episode of Season 2, it's Eater's women leading the way into how this one-of-a-kind science experiment is coming together in the south of France, breaking boundaries, and creating a global community to not only make history, but better yet, a more equal future. I speak with three exceptional women about what it means to work at ITER and in nuclear fusion energy, beginning with Akanksha Saxena, a diagnostics engineer from India. So I'm Akanksha, I'm diagnostic integration engineer. I joined ITER in September 2019 and before that I had the opportunity to know work for ITER but while working for a French company. So I'm originally from India. I was born and brought up in Delhi. I did all my education there and for my master's I decided to, I had an opportunity actually because my master's from Delhi University was a dual degree program. So we had a chance to come to France to learn about nuclear engineering. So basically fission reactors by experts from CEA, from EDF, from Areva, which was really very good experience. I went back, I finished my master's here. I went back, I finished my master's from my university in Delhi. And then I decided to apply for PhDs in France. And I was lucky to get accepted. And I came to Kadarash in 2011 for my PhD and then I stayed here. <laughs> Why nuclear energy? What got you interested in nuclear energy in the first place? Okay. What was interesting was, you know, because uh, when I was growing up, the power cuts in Delhi was also, you know, part of the daily life. You will have scheduled power cuts, you will have random power cuts and we are you prepared for it. You know, you will have generators or inverters, but uh, now the situation is much, much better. Like we don't have this random or scheduled power cuts but it is only in the big cities, in the villages, it's still the same. 
So my long-term objective was, you know, to do something, you know, which will help to solve this energy crisis. I, I really wish that no one has to study under the shade of a lamp, you know, the exactly. gas lamp or a candle. And it was my father's idea that, you know, you can think about making a nuclear battery. Just take it wherever you want and work for, uh, for supplying the energy needs, which sounded a very nice idea. Incredible. And I hope I, I could do something towards it. But at least if not, working for Eater, you know, gives me a bit of satisfaction. If It's not that nuclear battery, but I'm doing something to meet the global needs. And in one way or another, it will contribute to the to solving the energy crisis. And how do you feel it's different if we can come back to you, I guess, pursuing this in nuclear energy? How was it different for you as an Indian woman here? Because I don't think there is a lot. <laughs> I have not met so, so many me, here. It was more different than leaving home, my comfort zone. My, my home in Delhi yeah. and coming straight away to France. So there was no step in between, you know, like going to another city in India, like Bangalore or Mumbai or staying there for my education. So literally I was at my home with my family in Delhi and then straight away oh, to France. Alone, without <laughs> family and you've never lived by yourself before that. No, not even cooked by myself. So <laughs> when I was here for my master's, it was a bit better because we were 12 students, you know, from the same course who came here for the masters. So it, it went quite well. It was learning experience for everyone. I think being here for uh, one year changed most of us completely. And what about then after you finished your, your masters and then you came here to ITER? So ITER here. was uh, at that time in 2011 was sharing the campus with CA Kadarash. Yeah. <clears throat> so I get a lot of exposure you know, to ITER at a very close distance when I was in CA. And I was the only foreigner in my lab when I was doing my PhD. So to get, you know, the not to be so homesick, I used to go to the canteen, which was near to the eater side, to just see Indian people, to just speak some Hindi, and, you know, to just uh, feel a bit at home. Like, uh, And at that time, I spoke with my colleagues. I was learning French, which was with Welcome Office. So there were many people who were working in uh, eater who used to come for the French lessons. So I get to know more about, you know, uh, from the people who were actually working there. And for me, it was like a dream project, you know. I learned about ITER during my master's in the last third, third year. It was at ITER India and at yeah. IPR Ahmedabad, which was interesting, but it was, uh, you know, not close enough because when I was in Kadarash, I could see the construction site. I could see, you know, progress happening in the three years of time. The headquarter was built at that time, this headquarter where we are sitting. <laughs> so for me, it was very interesting. And for me, I, one thing which I knew deep in my heart, I wanted to work for ITER one way or other. <laughs> and then and, you made it happen. And I would say it was worth the wait of every minute, you know. Well, now I would like to know, now that you're here, you're in ITER, you said you've been here since 2015, right? That's like in ITER, what, yes, seven, eight years already. It's, it's, it's a while. What do you see here? in terms of challenges or new ways of working as a woman in nuclear fusion energy what kind of challenges do you face as a woman in particular okay so uh, i think professionally uh, in eater like i don't see a difference between being a woman working in eater or being a, a male working in eater like i i i have never felt you know any kind of differences and uh, 
your voice get heard you know by your line manager uh, by your colleagues and irrespective i think the contribution you bring in to your work is valued and for me that is good and your opinion for for different things it matters as a stereotype i guess we've always always heard that sometimes in science it's not balanced and there's not not enough of women voices that get heard so it's ah, nice yes. to hear actually from your perspective <clears throat> but when i joined eater i have seen different like the progress the number of female which you see in the project are increasing like you see you see True. many more uh women faces and they are in different field they are in science they are engineering and it's good to see that like now when you go i, I remember when i joined in september 2019 i was happy to see the orientation room i was not the only female we were five of them and each of five them were out of i think five out of nine or i nine or 10 i guess but okay. it was good balance and they were all expert you know one was from computer background one was from magnetics like they were all expert in their field and it was good to see you know this progress which is happening in the fusion and why do you think at least for you um you said you were one of the only few women at least in Kadarash in your lab and i guess there're not other indian women in your <laughs> field no. why do you think that is why are there not as many at least from india that are coming uh so the thing is the people the, the i think there is not much more uh, said about it you know like mm. that this option also exists this is not there and then you know there is concern about radiation you know people yeah. think nuclear and they think radiation and i know when i was doing my masters i used to get this question from my far relatives or from the persons who are my from my neighbors like you are doing in this nuclear field it might uh, you will have to work with radiation you know it's not safe you might not have kids i was like stop it <laughs> okay i was uh, like they, they ha- there is myths about this field yeah. and at one point you know i was so pissed off by people asking this question i was like my family has no issues with it like these random people whom i meet on streets <laughs> or whom i meet once in a five years function or so on like they have concerns so I actually asked my professor, you know, he 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 is kind of like a grandfather figure to me, and I asked him. He said, like the radiation will not discriminate a female and a female. <laughs> For a radiation, it's a human body, and when you work in the radiation, you have appropriate protection. True. It's not that you will just go in your clothes and work in it. So the best part of being working in the nuclear field is that the safety is the first and the most important thing. and uh, that was really that was yeah. really good so know? it's about education i think it's, it's about just educating the people All what it is and then it's your choice and now you can tell them that look it's okay i have ch- i have children yes <laughs> so you are safe um all right and so i would like to ask you again as you said you said you felt like almost like an advantage you felt seen that as you were an indian woman here there were not so many do you think there are any other advantages because we we will we've talked a lot about i guess disadvantages in a way or how it's difficult as a woman here but what about the advantages of being a woman are there any mm, i wouldn't say it's more like a responsibility because not as an advantage because people look up to you like you can be inspiring someone and you don't even realize that you are 
so just as a working woman you might inspire a housewife you know who left her career just because she had kids or you could be inspiring a student who is you know thinking about which field should i go in so for me it's not more as an advantage you know but just as a responsibility to be transparent and to just educate and share your experiences and that's one of the reason i'm very happy that you invited me you know because yeah. it gets it gets gives me a chance to share my story and if it inspires at least you know one person or one woman to choose between a mba mca doctor <laughs> or anything and nuclear and if she chooses nuclear for me it's a job done or a, at least i contributed a bit speaking about that exactly about inspiration what advice then would you give to let's say young women or women in general out there when it comes to thinking about joining nuclear fusion in general because as you said it's not widely known yet i would say just ask your questions you know don't keep your questions in your mind you might hear a lot of things and like the thing in india is everybody is there to give their advice you know that may or may not be correct <laughs> so just ask your questions and ask to the right person you know ask it to the expert in that field that way you will get more uh, educated and you can make the right decision so for me at the end the decision should be of the woman or of a girl whether she wants or not to be in this field but she should get this opportunity to decide up next Karina Vergara, the Diverter Integration Officer who has been at ITER for the past 9 years. I was born in uh Mexico, but I was raised in California and I uh actually did during my studies uh in mechanical engineering, I decided to study abroad to France. I uh, and spent a year in Grenoble and it gave me a foundation for French that I actually never expected to need. I thought it was just going to be for fun and what not, but eventually I went back to California. I started working at a, a traditional nuclear uh, fission plant that's there and it was a really good experience, uh an introduction into nuclear safety, the culture, everything that goes there. and eventually that plant shut down started looking for another job another colleague uh discovered eater he started working here um and introduced me to eater i checked it out i saw that it was in nuclear they were looking for americans they have eater has a very lofty very important goal uh which aligned with what i would like for my career in terms of uh working in the energy sector and looking for ways of producing sustainable clean energy uh so for me it was very appealing uh and that's how i came into this fusion world which beforehand i i honestly had no idea i mean maybe probably in a class it was mentioned as this project but i i was not so exposed uh but now here i'm i'm very happy uh, to be here uh with eater and and working on on this very important project and how long has it been since you've been here uh, yes uh so i've been here for 9 years uh actually working with the diverter section uh which is uh the diverter is this ashtray that goes uh, at the bottom of the machine 
uh, helps keep the plasma clean, uh, collects the ashes, hence the ashtray has a similar um, shape, a very big circular thing. So, and I've been working on that uh, for the past nine years. How has it been then since you said you've been here for nine years as an American and especially as a woman? What advantages or disadvantages have you felt working here? Huh, that's a that's a very good question. Uh, in terms of the woman's perspective, I have seen a lot of progress, I suppose. Um, in particular, just launching this uh, women's network group here at Eater uh, and having exposure to other women, having... Uh, a place where and men are are welcome as well, of course. Um, but, but I have seen more awareness, uh, and even from my own personal perspective, uh, in terms of the challenges that I thought I only faced and were just in my head, having a space to discuss with other women has been great for my own mental health and and growth getting advice uh, and, and, and just networking as already existing has been very fruitful for me. And this network, of course, like in like any other network, it's helpful to talk to each other. But does it also make a difference? Because like you said, you're in this nuclear fusion field. It's a pioneering field, to say the least. Um, but in your division with the diverter, are there usually men around? And that's why this network is also an extra bonus to be able to go and talk to them or is that not the case for you uh when i first started in my section there were two let's say two and a half women because we there was two of us uh, fully but then on half that was like tangential <laughs> if i can say that um and then there were i think uh 10 or so guys and now i think there's three and a half maybe uh, I, I don't know what to say about this one. I think we are still the minority by far uh, for many, many reasons. And overall, in either we're still, in, especially in the technical fields, we are still a minority. Um, but I have in the ni in nine years, I have seen more women being hired on in technical fields, uh, more voices and in uh, line management there's still a lot of room for improvement of course but visually we are growing uh, in my section in particular I'm a little bit biased because I've always been in a very good section my boss has always been uh, a very welcoming force who helps me grow uh, and I do feel there's a good amount of trust and and mentorship so on that side, I have been very, very lucky. But then do you feel that perhaps because you're a minority and because you are a woman in a technical field, are there any advantages, perhaps whether it's in perspective in the way that you see a project being run or just in the social environment at work or any other perspective? Because usually, I guess... In many organizations, it's similar in scientific spaces where it's usually the, the men, there are more men than women, of course, because they, they go for engineering or, or science and it's because of education and background and, and countries and whatnot that's around the world. But here where you are as women, do you think that there are any advantages that you have because you're in this role? Uh, actually, yes. And this goes into the whole 
and I don't know if it's because I'm a woman, I'm American or just me, uh, but I definitely see my perspective, how it aligns uh, in particular to my job. Um, for, so for the diverter, uh, it's, it's one big, in terms of the machine, it's one big component, the diverter, but it consists of 54 cassette assemblies. To make those 54 cassette assemblies, we are taking 300 different components and putting them, integrating them to make the 54 cassettes that eventually make the one diverter. My job is to, is the integrator. I am the, uh, I am responsible for the integration work that takes the 300 components and turns them into 54 cassette assemblies. It's a big responsibility, but I see that my perspective, either as a woman, American, or my age, my generation, something, I see how this puzzle should come together. I see how it's not just about how the components are supposed to integrate technically and physically, how the people, the teams need to integrate, where uh, I can, I can, I try to anticipate and uh, problems and bring and create a, a good cohesive team. And so there, I do see a def definite perspective of trying to look at the human side and how projects are should come together. I definitely do think that is an advantage most of the time. Uh, however, there are also times where I, I can see the problem and I can try to fix it, but there are so many forces and, and so many obstacles. Eater is a big ship that can sometimes be slow or take time and a lot, a lot of effort to, to turn. I do have a different perspective that adds to the conversation whenever we're talking about how to build a team, how to make things um how to bring sections together, how to try to break silos. So whether that's a woman's perspective, American perspective, whatever, that's a perspective that I can join, I c that I can bring to the table. And finally, what advice would you give to other women who would like to join, whether it's nuclear fusion energy, ITER, or a STEM field on its own? I First of all, I would say... Uh, if you want to go into any field, STEM, fusion, anything, just stay with it. There will be so many moments where it's easier to think, look, the grass is greener on the other side. Let me go into some other field of study. It's still related or let me try something else. But just stick with STEM, stick with fusion. Uh, there's, uh, there can be frustrations uh, that it, it, it takes too long. Maybe there is uh, too many men. You're not hearing your voice or you're not identifying with your colleagues or team, but just stick with it um, because I think it's important to visually have women uh, in these fields. It's important to get the perspective of women uh, and it's, it's interesting. It's interesting work. So definitely just stick with it. Be a little bit stubborn um, and, and hold on. Like Karina said, sticking to science and nuclear fusion is the way forward, especially in this new changing world, which requires us to shift our perspectives.
It's never possible to make big changes alone. Community support from both men and women are needed. For this, I speak with Shira Tabachinikov, the internal communications manager at Eater and also one of the founders of the Women and Fusion Group. Hi, Shira. Thank you for making the time today. Could you briefly tell our listeners a little bit about you before we begin? Sure. Hi, Krudi. I'm the deputy head of communications, and I focus on internal communications and stakeholder relations. I've been here for just over four years, and I'm American and Dutch. And what is this initiative that you recently told me about that you're doing at ITER? Well, it's called Women in Fusion, and it's a global initiative that I'm helping ITER be part of. So it has a couple of founding organizations that are working on this, ITER, the IAEA, Eurofusion, and General Atomics. So what happened was a webinar at FEC 2020, that's the fusion, um, the fusion conference that happens every two years. And we had a webinar about women in fusion and a lot of discussion uh, came up and a lot of new findings uh, were shared about some of the challenges and obstacles to uh, really building a successful career in fusion, but also what happens between studying STEM, so that's science, technology, engineering, and math, uh, and getting to the workforce. Fusion is mirrors those issues. You have now more than 50% of women studying STEM, but when you look at the workforce, it's down to 25%. And when you look at women in professional positions in STEM careers, and, and Fusion is one of those, it's only around 8%. Wow. So we heard a lot of different stories from, from women, uh, and we were asked, could we do something to create a community where we can share these stories more, uh, mentor one another, have some activities together, but also more than that, try and shape policy that's going to help uh, help us in the workforce uh, to have more leadership roles. And um, that's where the idea of women in fusion came up. And does it include only women in fusion at ITER? No, that's a great question because at ITER we have a women's group. Okay. That started a few years ago and due to COVID it had a little bit of a, a slow period, but it's restarting again and I have uh, kind of tried to reawaken uh, the network here at ITER. And we have we face similar issues at ITER as we do at the global on the global level. When I talk to women here, um, I hear things like how can I be heard more during meetings? Some women have even said they feel really outnumbered uh, in their departments and, and on the, even on the chantier and the work site. Um, sometimes there's a discomfort there. And they also see the lack of women in leadership roles at ITER. But it's no surprise this is happening across the board. So what I learned at ITER um, feeds into the global, the global group as well. Okay, and how are how are women around the globe able to find this, I guess, group community, and how can they participate if they're in other sides of the world? Yeah, it's just uh, www.womeninfusion.org, and it's not only for women. We need men. We need everyone uh, to help us uh, create this community. 
So there's, you can become a member. When you go to the website, it will say join very clearly, and you can click on that, and you can become a member and participate in our uh, discussions and in our activities. And these are still uh, in development. It's a fairly young organization. Uh, also inspired by some of the work that Women in Nuclear has been doing. That's a really successful, well-known group. Um, and we, we're learning also from them and, and what, what works and what we can do in Women in Fusion as well. Oh, that's great. What about for people who, especially women, young women, who don't really know much about fusion energy itself? Are you able to actually speak with them or to educate them? What is fusion in the first place? Because I would like to know for yourself, you're in communications, as you said, not in science. So is it open to anybody who wants to join fusion, not just as a scientist, but in other roles as well, just to be involved with something that's happening for the future? Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the initiatives of the group is we want to increase our educational outreach with uh, representation by women so that we can, that it's easy to identify a woman that could come to your school, that could do a virtual presentation, that could talk to the students um, and tell them about what fusion is and how you can have a career in fusion. Because it's often hard to find a, a woman participant, for example, for conferences now, they're looking at their panels and, and a lot of conferences need to have more diversity in the panels, but they don't know where to find us. So That's we're going to make it easier to do that. Identify oh. a speaker, identify someone who's interested in, in educational outreach as well. So it would be a resource, in fact. Yes. Not only a community, but a resource platform. Exactly. So we want to drive people there if they're looking for, for speakers and um, women that yeah. can talk about their careers and also talk about what fusion is yeah and what it's like to work in fusion. <laughs> it's important yeah so finally if i can ask you why do you think it's important for women to be involved in this pioneering technology because fusion it's developing we're here in front of the construction site it's taking shape but it's not there yet so why is it important for women to be at such a pioneering kind of technology Oh, well, that's exactly why, Kriti, because we have such great opportunity as it's in the development phase. We can shape it as it grows and develops, unlike other technologies that already have a history of, of well-known researchers and networks and old boy networks. And we can break that mold before it even gets started or, or as we get started. Of course, Fusion has been around for 60 years, so there already is a history there. But as it becomes commercialized and more of a, a really on the grid as we get there, uh, this is an opportunity we have to grab to get those women. They're studying uh, STEM. They're there. Find out, find out what's the obstacle and help them overcome that and, and contribute to this really complex goal that we have. Because we need all the minds that we can get. All hands on deck. Absolutely. And with that, thank you for listening to The Eater World, Season 2 of The Eater Podcast. You can find more of our episodes on our website, www.eater.org, as well as on all your favorite podcast channels. To keep updated, subscribe to The Eater Newsline and all the social media outlets, where there are new posts and stories every week. And please stay tuned for more episodes.